Okay, so. Oh, time for some scripture to calm us down, I think. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Well, believe it or not, this is the the uh, tenth and final message in the Galatians series. I don't know if that's good news or bad news. Um, as I said right at the beginning, the first couple of chapters to Paul are personal. And then chapters three and four, he really dives and delves into the doctrine. And then in chapters five and six, he then applies that doctrine practically. In chapter five, uh, he dealt with the tension between flesh and spirit. If you can remember that, it was two weeks ago. And how the, that those two different sources produce very different works or fruit. And then in chapter 6, he, he really drives that stake deeper and applies it actually in, in one or two uh, distinct scenarios. Let, let's dive straight in, shall we? Chapter 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Such a powerful set of statements. You know, one of the strongest natural and spiritual principles spelled out for us in clear and unambiguous terms. What we call the law of sowing and reaping. One of the commentators I've been working my way through, Warren Wiersbe, he breaks this section down into three things. Number one, starting in verse six, is a precept. And that's followed by the, the principle behind that precept. And that's followed, thirdly, by a promise. 
and the precept to start this section, a precept is a command or principle intended as a general rule of action. The precept, verse 6, is nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. And that's followed by the principle behind that precept, and that is verse 7 and 8. A man reaps what he sows. That's why. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And that then is followed by a promise. Now, the promise is essentially, if you will walk in that principle, then verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give Let's start by, by looking at the principle. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. I mean, it's pretty simple, unambiguous law, really. What do we know about that? I'd suggest three things we know. First of all, we will reap what we sow. We will. We just cannot cheat this law. If there's been a sowing, there will be a reaping. And actually, do you know what? We are all sowing all the time. The second thing we know is that we will reap the kind we sow. You cannot sow one thing and expect to reap another. Here's the line that I love. Don't be deceived into sowing your wild oats and then desperately praying for crop failure. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sins will find you out. But of course, the positive flip to that is, is if you sow it and it's good, then you can expect a good harvest. I, I like, like to put it like this. If you know the seed you've planted, then you know the harvest you're going to get. So number two is you reap the kind you sow. And number three is you reap in the measure that you sow. Simple law. Lots of seed, lots of fruit. And so if you want lots of good fruit in your life, you have to sow plenty of good seed. And that, of course, applies in every context. It applies in the agricultural context. It applies in the relational context. Context. It applies in the physical context. And it also applies in the financial context. So stingily, reap scarcely, but so plentifully and reap abundantly. So, number one, you will, you will reap what you sow. Number two, you reap the kind that you sow. Number three, you reap 
reap, you reap the measure in which you sow. And what does Paul go on then to say? He says this, at every turn, you either sowing spirit seed or flesh seed. One of them leads to life and the other leads to death. And the law works every time. You cannot cheat it. You cannot bypass it. All of which makes your choice of seed critical, even life-defining. Which leads to a pivotal question. What seed are you sowing? What seed are you sowing either intentionally or even inadvertently? Are you sowing unbelief or faith? Are you sowing stinginess or generosity? Are you sowing deception or truth? Is it compromise or is it integrity? Are you sowing anger or are you sowing seeds of peace? Is it antagonism or kindness? Is it resentment or forgiveness? Ultimately, is it blessing or is it cursing? Why? Because that will directly and inevitably determine the fruit that you eat. Famous verse, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. This day I call the heaven and the earth, heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Now we all face choices over and over again to sow seed either to the spirit or to the flesh. Every decision we make, every reaction, every comment, every time we need to acknowledge the power of the law of sowing and reaping. I think the message paraphrase expressed this quite nicely. It says, do not be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All I have to show for his life is weeds. Ouch. That's a pretty stern warning. Then he goes on to say, but the one who plants in response to God Letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. That's much better. Let's aim for that. Simple picture painted really there. That if you, if you sow fleshly weed seeds, we'll call them. If you sow fleshly weed seeds, you will inevitably harvest a crop of weeds. And your garden 
so to speak, will be full of thorns and thistles and stinging nettles. Those seeds, Paul explains, are selfish and they're impetuous and they're foolish. We have a choice. The alternative is to sow spirit seeds. And if we do that, we will harvest a crop of real and eternal life. Those seeds are Holy Spirit prompted. Those seeds are conviction and compassion sensitive. Those seeds are word obedient, word wise. Those seeds are patient and they are thoughtful and they are generous and they produce an altogether different and greatly superior harvest. Uh, two quick quotes from Joyce Meyer's commentary. Number one, if you are not satisfied with your harvest, perhaps you should go back and take a look at the seeds you have been sowing. Interesting thought. I'd say those are wise, wise words, but they don't really fit in our blame culture. Too often people want to, want to apportion blame when in reality, they are merely eating the fruit of their own seed. And the second quote, look down the road and ask yourself what you want your life to look like in the future. Then be smart enough to realize that the seed you sow today becomes the harvest you reap tomorrow. I like that. I like that firstly because it's true, and I like it secondly because it gives us all hope. And the good news is from now on, you can plant faith where previously you'd been sowing unbelief. You can sow generosity now, even if you've been stingy in the past. And if you're used to succumb to anger all the time, it's not too late to start sowing peace seeds, kindness seeds, and patience seeds. And if you're bound in offense and unforgiveness and resentment, it is not too late to start sowing forgiveness. Why? Because the law of sowing and reaping works. It works always. It works Every time, it works, whatever the context. Okay, so moving on here in Galatians, Paul gives, gives three examples of this principle applying in life and in action. I'm going to go through these quickly for the sake of time because I want to get to the promise ultimately. But there's three examples. The first one, verse one, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should. You caught someone in a sin. You've got an opportunity here. Am I going to sow spirit seed or am I going to sow flesh seed? That's the choice. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. I don't know about you, I think it's partly because I'm getting old. I love grace. 
Perhaps it's because I need a lot. I'm not sure. Catherine and I watch a show uh, called Heartland. And in every episode, true to form, right on the money, right dead on the clock, about 80% of the way through, grace arrives. And you know what? Every time it thrills my heart. And it gives me the warm fuzzies. Sometimes it even brings a tear to my eye. Because I love grace. It just feels right. And of course, you don't have to be a genius to realize that we live in a world of ungrace. Here's the point. Anyone can be loud, brash, and opinionated. The world is full of that. That's not a sign of maturity. I've covered this recently. That is a sign of carnality. You know what? It takes maturity to restore. It takes maturity to be gentle. It takes maturity to journey with someone on the road to redemption when everyone else is mocking and rejecting and cancelling them. So, so while the, the flesh rejects, the spirit is reaching out. While the flesh is cancelling, spirit is dialoguing. While the flesh delights in the failure of others, the spirit looks for opportunities to restore. Flesh says, I told you so. And spirit says, there but for the grace of God go I. The flesh says, let me at the speck in your eye. The spirit says, first, let me deal with the log in mine. And here's the point. As spirit-filled believers, we, are, we have a call to sow a very different seed. To be radical restorers like Jesus. Jesus was in the business of trying to restore Everyone, just think of those stories. And so restoring should be what we do. And gently and humbly should be how we do it. So I'd say that, this. If you, if you feel stirred to offer advice, world's full of advice, or redirection, or my favorite word, correction, Make sure it is not stirred by your own flesh. Make sure it's not because you are knocked or frustrated or because you're offended or because you are superior. Why? Because flesh seed leads to corrupted and poisonous fruit and everyone gets belly ache. Make sure if it is stirred, it's stirred by the Spirit. Must be offered gently and humbly and kindly because that produces a very different harvest. That leads to life and it leads to hope and it leads to growth and it leads to restoration. And you know what? The grace of God in us should be drawing us towards restoration and redemption and reconciliation. Those are beautiful and powerful things. Do you know what? They're exactly what the church, exactly what Christians should be 
known for. That's practical application number one. Number two, verse two, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Warren Wiersbe said this, the legalist is not interested in bearing burdens. Instead, he adds to the burdens of others. Remember what Jesus said about the Pharisees. Matthew 23, verse 4, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Wisby again, the legalist is always harder on other people than he is on himself. But the spirit-led Christian demands more of himself than he does of others, that he might be able to help others. Pretty simple, really. Our task is not to add to people's burdens. Our task is to help carry them. I wonder, do you know any people who are, how can I describe it, life sappers? Or, or enthusiasm deflators? Or hope crushers? Perhaps that person whose email ping you dread. You know what, they are quite possibly a legalist or a Pharisee, and they seem to delight in bringing you hassle. But you know what? As followers of Christ, we have a different call. What can we do to lighten the load? What can we do to, to add value? What can we do to improve the lot of those around us? Here comes the grace. There are going to be times when you need a little help with some of those burdens. Good news is God has promised to help you with that. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And you know what? Spirit sowers around you will take joy in helping you carry that load. Now, sometimes we need to swallow our pride and let the people around us do a little heavy lifting. But the good news is that the law of sowing and reaping does apply, so they will receive a sweet harvest as they do so. All right, number three, really quickly, is verse six. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all things with their instructor. This is a practical application of this principle. N.T. Wright, another commentator, said, it is difficult to ask people to give money even for the best of causes. In this passage, Paul manages to write about money without even mentioning the word. Warren Wisby said, the teacher of the word shares spiritual treasures, and those who are taught ought to share material treasures. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 11, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, this is Paul writing, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? And then verse 14, in the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Pretty simple message, really. Be givers and not just takers. Just three really lightning quick thoughts that I haven't got time to qualify this morning. Number one, if you only ever eat your seed, there will be no harvest from your life. Just 
three good messages in here. Number two, the spiritual makes sure there's always something good flowing out of their lives as well as something good coming in. It's kind of the dead sea thing. And then number three, we can use material goods to promote flesh or we can use our material goods to promote the things of the Spirit. Three really good challenges, I think. Okay, moving on to the promise. Here we go. I knew we'd get there eventually. Number nine, verse nine. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us not become weary in doing good. It made me wonder this, this week as I was preparing. Anyone feeling weary? I thought of a better question. Anybody not feeling weary? Anyone feel that they've been waiting for a while, all the sowing, reaping stuff? Anyone feel they've been waiting for a while? Are you ever tempted to quit? The Amplifier says, and let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing what is right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Here's truth for you. The law still works. The law always works. Even for you. You are not the exception. This law is fundamental to the operation of the universe. It's natural law and it is spiritual law. But as we know all too well, the timing part is out of our control. There's always a delay between sowing and reaping. You know what? That's true for the farmer, and it'll be true for you. And so Paul's message into that is don't lose heart, do not faint. Do not loosen your grip. Do not cease your prayers. Do not abandon your dream. Why? Because there's a condition on that promise. And the condition on that promise is, is this. You will reap a harvest if, the King James says, if you faint not. You live in translation, if we do not give up. New King James, if we do not lose heart. And again, here comes a boatload of grace. Why do we faint? The question. It is a statement. We faint. We do. We run out of steam. We get discouraged. The wheels fall off. People run us down. We stumble and we shrink and we faint. Why then do we faint? It's a good question. That's going to lead into our response today. The reality is none of us want to faint. 
We all intend to hang in there. We all, we all start well. I'm going to give you three really quick reasons why we faint and hence there miss out on the promise. Number one, sometimes we faint because of lack of connection. Psalm 84 verse 1, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the court of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Sometimes we faint because of lack of connection. We lose sight of the source. We, we, we fail to draw from, from the inner well of the Spirit. We look for affirmation from outside of Christ. We, we, we plug ourselves into the wrong vine, if you like. Or, or sometimes fear attempts to drown out our faith. And if any of that kicks in and we become in any way disconnected from the Lord, then we risk growing faint. Number two, sometimes we faint because of lack of nutrition. Matthew 4, verse 4, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word literally feeds our faith. It's spiritual food, it's spiritual fuel, it's our spiritual sustenance. Without it, you will faint. But with your faith fed and your trust intact, Isaiah 40, 31, those who trust the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And thirdly and finally, sometimes we faint because of lack of prayer. Luke 18, verse 1, King James, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Wisby said this, prayer is to the spiritual life what breathing is to the physical life. And if you stop breathing, you will faint. It's too easy when, when we're weary for our prayer life to slip and slide. But you don't stop breathing when you're physically tired. In fact, you try to drive even drive, try to breathe even more deeply. And what the same applies spiritually. Okay, let's wrap up. Verse 9: And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Number one, in due season. Number two, if we faint not. And number three, we shall reap. This is divine law. This always works. And you know what? We probably will be tempted to faint on the way. We may well be tempted to cheat and to meddle and to rush this principle. 
But you know what? A harvest of righteousness awaits. Unprecedented fruitfulness awaits. A crop of real life. A crop of eternal life. So work the plan, people. God will never let you down. Okay, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Anyone else about to faint through heat and, and singing? What were we doing? Singing wearily. Have you? We're going to be, it's hot. We're going to do a really um, short, simple response today. And I'm going to ask you a, a simple question. Are you feeling faint? I am talking spiritually faint, not physically faint. (laughs) Are you feeling weary? I think that might be either. So the question is, how can we help? And I'd say this, as as we reflect on the, the message in this word, Ask God as you ask yourself that question. What is God calling you back to? Is he calling you back to the vine? Is he calling you back to the word? Is he calling you back to prayer? Maybe he's calling you back to something else to take you from that position of danger or fainting back into that place of strength and perseverance. I think what we'll do is um, let's just worship and um, we'll just do it like this. The prayer ministry team will be over here. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling a little bit faint, if that promise feels a little bit distant, if there's a, been a, such a long time between that seed being sown and that harvest that you long for, and if you are feeling weary, then the ministry team would love to pray for you. So feel free to come over here. They'll pray. If you'd rather do those prayers on your own, feel free to come over this side and you can do business with God. But God wants, I believe God wants to restore you today so that you can walk in the fullness of that promise. Let's stand.